Does money cause you stress? When a new life situation arises, do you worry how that will affect your budget and cash flow? Managing money is not always easy, but learning how to plan, set, and adjust goals as needed can help keep stress to a minimum and your financial success on a steady course. Welcome to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. Your future plan starts right here. Here's Debbie. Hello, this is Debbie Peterson of Money Counts, and our show is called Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential. And we've been talking to you the past few weeks about different things that you might want to think about in your financial situation where you might be able to improve your cash flow by making some changes to things that uh, you've done in the past that may not be fitting together too well. This morning's show, we are uh, we have a guest, Stacy Kimry, who is the uh, former president of the North Carolina Association of Mortgage Professionals and served on their board for 12 years. And she's going to be talking to us about all different topics related to financing a home, either a new purchase and a refinance, a cash out, things like that, that anybody who's thinking about buying a home or has a home might be interested in learning more about. She has worked with me for over 10 years as a um, referral source for clients, and we've done dozens of different uh, transactions for my clients and We've been very happy with all of the interesting things she comes up with to help us make sure that the clients are happy. In addition to Stacy, I have Nicole Maloney in the office with me. She is one of my team members and also an advisor. So if you hear a third voice pipe in, that is Nicole. Good morning. And we hope you'll enjoy the show. Stacy, would you like to get started? Sure. Um, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. And hopefully your audience and clients will find this beneficial and informative in some way that will help their financial future. Um, as Debbie mentioned, um, I we've worked together for 10 years. I've been in the business 26 years, which is really dating myself. But um, um, with Homeside Financial, we are a direct lender, direct to Fannie Mae. We are backed by um, a credit union, so we have different opportunities that some of the big banks may not be able to offer um, and um, gives us a really strong um, financial backing. So um, as Debbie mentioned, um, we were going to talk about different types of mortgages. Um, I focus primarily on residential. We have a team, Lending by Design, um, within Homeside Financial that we try to tailor fit a mortgage that fits your financial needs. So we try to look at the big picture, just as uh, Money Counts does, to see um, what the goals and aspirations are, what you want to do with this mortgage, how long they plan to be in the house, to make sure that we're putting them in a mortgage program that fits um, their goals and needs. So residential, meaning um, someone who's going to live in the house or a tenant is going to occupy the house. Someone is actually living in the home versus commercial, which is an income producing property or business. So um, with the purchase and residential side, we've got several different mortgage types that I'm sure folks have heard of. Um, conventional, which is um, typically a Fannie Mae or a Freddie Mac um, government sponsored loan situation. Um, we've got government insured loans, which um, include FHA, VA, which is for veterans, uh, USDA, which is typically rural properties. Um, we've got jumbo financing, which is um, anything over the conventional loan size of $424,000. Um, tons of first-time homebuyer programs, often accompanied with down payment assistance, which is pretty popular right now. Um, lots of community programs, um, specifically for um community servants like teachers, police officers, firefighters. Um, there's also second mortgages like a home equity lines of credit that I know that Debbie and I have used together as a great financial tool for her clients. Um, we also have renovation loans um, to help improve the property, construction perm loans which help people build homes. Um, we do some combinations to decrease the minimum down payment and that type of thing. But um, well, it's interesting to know there's so many different types because <laughs> most of us think the types are 30-year fixed or 15-year fixed. Right, right. So, you know, there's, uh, depending on your occupation and the geography where you live, 
that can help determine if there's special programs available to you. So you want to always make sure that you check those things out when you're getting ready to make a change. And in regards to the terms that you're talking about, so fixed rate, which is the 30-year fixed or a 15-year fixed that people most often think of, are great. Um, interest rates are at, a, at an all-time uh, low pretty much. So um, there's also adjustable rate mortgages, which I think have had um, a bad reputation or a bad connotation sometimes in the past, but they're a great option depending on what the needs are for the client. And we've done some of those for um, Debbie's clients as well. Um, any of those program types, um, the government insured loans, jumbo loans, conventional loans, all o- offer both fixed rate terms and adjustable terms. So on the fixed rate, 30 years, you have 30 years to pay that payment back between principal and interest payments. Um, the last payment would be made you know, 360 months from now. Um, a 15 years, a shorter term, and it's going to increase the payment significantly because you're cutting the term in half. So a lot of people think, oh, I'd love that 10-year rate or that 15-year rate, but they don't realize it's going to practically double their payment. So depending on what their cash flow situation is like, um, a 30-year fix may be a better suit for them, and then they can just prepay and make the term shorter themselves by making additional principal payments anytime they want to. So they can look at an amortization schedule and see what additional principal payments would do for their bottom line and what they can afford to do depending on their income situation. Right, and in that way, they're not locked into that higher payment to the bank in case something unexpected should happen to their cash flow. What do you think the uh, spread on the interest rates is right now between the 30-year and the 15-year fixed? Is there much of a difference in the rate? A lot of it depends on credit score um, and which program you're doing. Some of the programs are more credit score driven than others. They're more um, uh, sensitive to that. But typically, what you're looking for is being a benefit is it needs to be about a half percent better to really be um, a big savings for you. And that's about the spread that we're seeing. Sometimes it's three quarters better, which is a really good deal. Um, It just depends. The 25, 20, and 10-year are not often used. So those are not priced as aggressively a lot of times. Um, Investors will price the ones that are most popular to um, what they want to see in the market or what they have seen in the market. And what about the ones where you can pay every two weeks instead of once a month? So, yeah, there's some folks out there that sell a bi-weekly or bi-monthly payment plan where you can just cut your payment in half and pay every two weeks, which is essentially um, just making one extra payment a year towards principal. So if you look at every month, if every month had exactly four weeks in it, we'd actually have 13 months in the year. So what they're actually doing is just collecting half the payment and, and having you prepay or make additional principal payments. And some companies will charge for that. So we like to tell people, you're welcome to do that, but you also can do it yourself on your own behalf. And what a lot of people like to do is make one extra principal payment at year end if they get a bonus check at that time or if they've got a Christmas club savings that they haven't used or something that they can put towards that. Or a lot of times we see people at tax refund time applying their tax refund to make one additional principal payment. That's something that doesn't interrupt their normal monthly budget or cash flow, but they can find some other sources of income there to apply to prepay their principal. And you may remember if you listened to our earlier programs that we talked about when you have extra money, where should you put it? And prepaying on your house is one place to put it, but we want to make sure that you have money available for other things that you need as well before we make that decision. So, Taking a shorter mortgage than you need to can sometimes put you in a cash bind that shows up by you needing to borrow money for other things at a higher rate for college or credit card debt, things like that. So it's nice to know that there's other ways to accomplish the same goal without locking yourself into a higher payment. And often on the refinance side, we may, instead of shortening a term, we may elongate the term. So we may take someone from a 15-year fixed out to a 30-year fixed just to ease that monthly payment burden in case, you know, maybe one of the spouses has lost their job. Maybe the child is going into college and, and the student loan didn't work out, so they wanted to pay for that and and use the, the monthly cash flow to help do that for their child. Um, that's what we're often seeing right now. And then there's also options with the adjustable rate mortgage where it's fixed for a certain period of time that may fit a certain person's situation. If it's fixed for five years, seven years, or 10 years, Um, before it adjusts, 
they may not be in the house that long, and that may save them a half or three quarters of a percent on interest rate that eases their monthly cash flow and gives them more money to spend on other items that you're talking about. We also like to make sure that when people are getting within five years of retirement that we look in depth at how their home is financed if they own a home. Because while they're working, they have the option to change the mortgage arrangement, but they may not have as much flexibility after they're officially retired. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that we have as many options available uh, to consider as may be important to them. One situation that I've seen quite a bit of and is that people have been very conscientious about trying to pay down their mortgage before they retire, Mm -hmm. but they still may have as many as 10 years left, and now the payment is too high for what their retirement income may be. So we really want to be careful about that and make sure we consider all those uh, situations and opportunities before you've already gotten into a transition period. Sooner the better if um, if you know of any major changes in lifestyle that may impact that financing, we want to work with you early in the game so we can make sure we've looked at everything that can help you. Right. And I think to that end, you know, we have stretched out some mortgages to make the payment a lot lower. It's something that they can handle with a with an anticipated budget or income reduction coming forward, um, but also um, pulling the equity out of the home on a home equity line, um, which is you know just a line of credit against the house that they use just like a credit card where it's revolving where um, the minimum payment are interest only payments, um, so they can make that minimum payment if they need to and then make additional pr- principal payments anytime they want with no prepayment penalty, and that way as they pay the line down. Um, they can reuse that portion and um, and put the equity in their home to work for them in the case of some unexpected situations. Right. So sometimes a way to think about that is if you've had your home for a while and it needs some maintenance and some remodeling and things like that, if you use a home equity line to pay for the remodeling costs, then you may want to consider then repackaging the mortgage and the equity line into a new mortgage once the value of the home is improved. So there's lots of different strategies around the financing of a house. Uh, And you make your choices um, over a period of time. So we don't know when we first buy a house how long we're going to be in it and how many times we might move and what's going on around us. So it, it is good to know if you do have equity in your house, how you might access it without having to sell the house. Right. So, um, which, you know, when you put down money on a house, that's something that people tend to think about if they're putting the minimum down versus putting 20% down. Um, A lot of people think you have to put 20% down, and that's certainly not the case. Um, A lot of the programs that are offered out there um, allow for 100% financing so that you can keep your money um, in reserves, in your savings account, in an investment account where it may be earning more for you. Um, So it may be better to finance more on the mortgage side than make a huge down payment. Um, but anything that's paid down would be equity in the position. Um, and we on the purchase side, when someone purchases a home and gets a great deal on it, so the value may be higher than the purchase price, um, we can't count that as equity in the home on the purchase transaction. But that's certainly equity that is there that can be tapped into later with the home equity line of credit. So um, after a year, after purchase, six months to a year, um, the appraised value is really the, the key point that matters on refinanced as far as establishing how much equity you have in the home and how much you can access. And in my opinion, this is Debbie, um, <laughs> having a lower uh down payment adds some more risk to the purchase Mm -hmm. because if suddenly someone loses their job or you need to move for a reason you weren't expecting, you have to come up with the cost to sell the house and those sorts of things and you don't have equity to help you with that. So just if you're considering one of those, be sure that you're careful that you've got other money set aside, that the money that may have gone towards the down payment that you have control over it and that you don't spend it on something else so that if a need comes up where you have to fix something in the house or you have to transition out of the house, that you will have money available to do that. Yeah. And that's key. When we're looking at reserves on a situation, we're looking at reserves for the reason of in case someone loses their home or in case something happens to the home that needs to be fixed. We're not requiring and we can't require that you keep that money in reserves, but it's a very smart thing to do fiscally to make sure that you're prepared for the what ifs. 
Good hey. What do you typically wait look for in reserves? What do you what is someone supposed to have? Um, it varies per loan program, um, but typically um, in years past, there there was always a standard rule of two months of principal interest taxes and insurance. If someone's got other investment properties as well, sometimes it's six months on those properties in addition to the two months on the primary residence. Mm -hmm. But it just depends. Um, nowadays, with the 100% financing and um, a lot of the down payment assistance programs, um, a lot of people are using that down payment assistance in place of using their own money for down payment, okay. um, especially for first-time home buyers. So um, it, it kind of varies as far as what reserves would be required for those programs. But generally, two months is a good rule of thumb. Good. Um, let's see. So um, we talked about um, some of the first-time homebuyer programs. There's so many different ones. We can go over that probably in another um, segment. And then we've got um, combination loans that we talked about that you could either do on the front end um, when you purchase the home or you could um, – do just a first mortgage and then get a, a home equity line or a second mortgage later. But that's something that Debbie and I have often used as a financial tool to help better the situation or leverage your situation on the home, especially if you've got a home to sell um, and one you're trying to buy at the same time. It kind of helps bridge the gap between the two. Could you explain the difference between a second mortgage and an equity line quickly? So quickly, yes. Um, they're, <laughs> both, they're both in second position. So the first mortgage is in first position, has the opportunity to foreclose. Um, a second mortgage is in second position on the home. Um, a fixed rate second mortgage works just like a first mortgage, where you're paying principal and interest over a certain period of time, and it's a fixed rate. The home equity line is a revolving rate that's tied to prime, which varies constantly. So each month, uh, the payment could change, or every six weeks when the Federal Reserve gets together to change prime, the payments could change. But it's minimum payment of interest only, um, revolving line, just like a credit card against the house that um, the mortgage interest may or may not be tax deductible, depending on your situation. So. One of the things that I find interesting about the equity lines is that as soon as you make a payment on principal, your next monthly payment drops. It goes down, yes. Where if you're in a first mortgage or a second mortgage and you're prepaying, you will not see the benefit of that till the end of the mortgage right. or until you sell. So uh, we're getting near the end of this segment period. I hope you found it interesting. I always learn things from Stacy when she and I are talking, and we've had a lot of discussions over the years about different ways to use financing to improve your situation. One of the things uh, that's being talked about right at the moment is what the rules are going to be for deductions on taxes and sorts of things like that. So as we get more information about uh, the tax plan and if it seems as if it's going to pass or when it passes, we will devote another program to talking about what that means to you as a homeowner and your deductions. This is uh, Debbie Peterson at Money Counts and if you'd like to send us comments, please email us at mcradio at moneycounts.biz and we'd be happy to uh, answer them for you. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina 28226 phone number 704315 5623 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to mcradio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Debbie Peterson at Money Counts, and today we are discussing various types of home financing packages and how you might use them if you're buying a home or you're refinancing a current home. Our guest today is Stacy Kimry, and she is helping us learn about the different strategies that might be useful to you. We also have Nicole Maloney, who is uh, one of my team members at Money Counts, and we've been having a good time learning about some different things to think about when you're getting ready to do something different with your home. So I'm going to turn the show back over to Stacy, and we're going to cover some new things we haven't talked about yet. Some exciting mortgage topics. <laughs> we'll make this as exciting as possible. Um, we went over, uh, discussed all the different, or listed basically, all the different types of mortgages um, that you can have. And when we were on a break, um, Nicole mentioned that it might be interesting to know what makes the programs different and when you would use one versus the other or when you would qualify for one versus another. So conventional financing, I'm sure folks have heard about Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So those are the um, government-sponsored loans um, where there's a normal set of guidelines that apply. Um, most all investors that sell to Freddie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, are going to follow those guidelines, but then some of the larger banks or investors have overlays on top of that, create their own guidelines to make things more secure. Um, but a direct lender like Homeside Financial that goes direct to Fannie Mae gets the, the guidelines from the source, which is nice. Um, so the minimum down payment on a conventional loan is 3%. Um, is a conventional loan also a Fannie Mae? That's Fannie Mae and Freddie <laughs> Mac. That's what makes up conventional. Yep. So that's 3% down. There's 5% down. 10, 15, 20. Um, on conventional loans, private mortgage insurance is required, which does not protect the homeowner necessarily. It protects the lender in case the homeowner defaults on their payment. Homeowner's insurance is what protects the homeowner, and that's required also. But once you get to 20% down on a conventional loan, um, private mortgage insurance is not required. And there's a couple of other ways to na navigate around that with a little less money down with the combination loans that we talked about. Um, but um, with conventional financing, it's pretty sensitive to credit score. So depending on what your credit score is, we may look at a different type program for you that would benefit you with a lower interest rate, um, which brings us to the government insured loans, which are not typically um, as sensitive to credit score. So there's FHA, which is Federal Housing Authority. Um, and those loans require 3.5% down. A difference in that is it also requires mortgage insurance, and that is for the life of the loan. So for conventional, if you were putting 20% down, you wouldn't have to have it. Or when you gain 20% equity in the home, once you've paid in 20% down, as long as the value still holds, you can drop mortgage insurance. And with FHA, you have to have it until you are done with that loan. So you might want to refinance if you've built up your equity into something that doesn't require that payment. Exactly. Yep. And that payment is uh, on the insurance is not currently deductible, I believe. It is not. Okay. Not on the FHA, especially. So, um, and then there, um, but it's a great it's a great program, especially with um, minimum down payment. The down payment can be gifted um, from a family member, so that's a great option as well. Um, VA is for veterans, and it's 100% financing. Um, it's only allowed for our veterans and their widows, um, which they deserve it for all that they do for us. Um, and that one has no monthly mortgage insurance. It does have a funding fee, which is financed into the loan. Um, so with that loan, it can truly be 100% financing. So 
And is the definition of veterans anything other than someone who's served in the military? Did they have to have served in wartime or anything like that? It could be wartime or peacetime. The length of service uh, varies depending on if it was wartime or peacetime. And then armed guard also includes. So all the all branches of service are included in that, which is nice. Um, and that's that's a really great um, program, really great interest rates on that. So if you're a veteran, you really need to take a look at that that possibility or that option. Um, USDA is 100% financing. And with that one, as I mentioned before, it's more rural areas, but can often be within city limits as well. Um, in Charlotte, there are very few um, areas that are within city limits that qualify, but some of the smaller towns surrounding um, do have a good portion of their um, area that falls within that that guideline. So if the property is eligible, we can do 100% financing and even potentially finance in up to 2% of closing costs, which is nice. So um, with that, there are, however, income limits. And I think the, the goal of that is the program is geared to help people that need it and not those that have amassed the money and save up their own money to do it. So um, jumbo is anything over a loan size of 424100 Um it typically requires a higher credit score and typically requires 20% down. We do actually have programs built around that. It's a combination loan um, with even 5 or sometimes 0% down. Um, but typically, the jumbo market is looking for a larger down payment. And is the interest rate higher on a jumbo loan? It can be, yes. Yeah, generally about a quarter to a half percent higher. It just depends on the situation, um, how much down payment is involved. So if someone's buying a million-dollar house and putting 50% down, so they're financing 500000 their rate might be in line with conventional. But if they're putting down the minimum of 20% or 15%, something like that, it may be about a quarter to a half percent higher. Good question. Um, combos, we've got combination loans where you can do an 80% first and a 20% home equity line, an 80% first and a 15% home equity line. Um, ways we've used that in the past that I think has been helpful for your clients um, in particular, Debbie, is if they've got a situation where they have a home to sell and then they want to buy now before they sell their other home. So they know that when they get the proceeds from the sale of their home, they're going to want to have a first mortgage of a certain size. So we'll have on the new home, the first mortgage be what their financial goal includes, and then a second mortgage to make up the difference so that when they sell their home, they can pay off that home equity line and still have access to it and still use it, but just have the one payment instead of the two payments going forward. So that kind of eases the, the move and the bridge of, of that. Um, it's also great for people that earn a large bonus at the end of the year that um, they want to have the constant first mortgage payment that's principal and interest, but they want to be able to take their bonus income at the end of the year and apply it towards that home equity line to pay that down faster to get towards that one payment that they really wanted when they're nearing retirement. Um, and then the home equity line we mentioned in the last segment, it's interest only, it's a great financial tool, and a lot of people use it once they've used it to buy the house um, or to access equity to pay down um, for improvements or repairs and maintenance of the home. Um, but we've also seen folks that have had a dormant home equity line that I think you've suggested that they use it for, you know, it's a lot of times cheaper than a boat loan or a car loan or a student loan. So it just depends on the structure and how you want to. Right. We always it. like to compare interest rates as well as whether or not they're deductible. We have found, though, that since interest rates have been so low, mm -hmm. that sometimes people think they're getting a tax deduction, but it's not high enough and they're only getting the standard deduction. So something we always ask to look at your tax returns if you're working with us so we can evaluate that for you and make sure that there's no misunderstanding on whether you're getting a benefit from the interest payment itself. And um, that leads us to first-time homebuyer programs. So... The first-time home buyer is what you would think, someone who's never owned a home, um, but actually someone who has not owned a home in the last three years also qualifies as a first-time home buyer. So um, there are income limits um, depending on the program, depending on the county that you're buying in for first-time home buyers. Um, and you mean upper limits there. Mm -hmm. So you have to come in under that limit to qualify for the first-time home buyer program. And some look at household income versus borrowers on the loans for the income limit. 
Mm-hmm. So, for example, if there's a married couple and only one is on the loan, they're going to look at the income of both in previous year's tax returns to qualify them in coming under that limit. Um, or a lot of folks think that if they've got a teenage um, child that has a summer job or um, a senior um you know, mother or father living with them, that Social Security income or that child's summer income can kick them out of the income limit. So we have to be careful about that and making sure we know who else is going to occupy the home and which program we're putting them in. Right. They don't want us to game the system. <laughs> right, right. So we have to ask all those questions up front so we know who all's involved and, and what we're dealing with. Um, and then there's down payment assistance programs along with a lot of the first-time home buyer programs. Um, that are great options. We just have to gauge which is best for the client. There's um, North Carolina Housing. There's um, the Federal Home Loan Bank. Um, There's lots of city programs um, and county programs. So it just depends on where you're buying and what the situation is. So is there a typical debt to end? income ratio these days or is that vary by the program it varies by the program but somewhere between 40 and 45 for um, all debts showing on the credit report and compared to total income compared to gross income uh Um, and then of course including the new house payment that we're trying to apply with taxes and insurance and homeowner association dues so if someone was going to borrow from their retirement plan to make the down payment Mm -hmm. does that make a difference to you as far as qualifying them? It used to, but it doesn't anymore. So if someone wants to borrow from their 401k plan, they can certainly do that, or their retirement plan. They can do that, and since they're paying themselves back, we don't have to count that as a debt in the debt ratio. Um, However, there's also the option, and we have to access the terms and conditions of the plan to confirm, but there's often a hardship withdrawal within um, within the plan that allows for the borrower, number one, if they're falling behind on house payments is what it's initially for to help catch them up on the payments. But it's also typically allowed if someone wants to access that those funds for down payment on a primary residence, um, there is a an option for that. So they can access that money without the fees and penalties that would normally be involved. So it's a withdrawal of the money, so the money's not in the program making money for them anymore or as an investment, but they've taken it out to access for down payment on the home. Right, which puts it into another asset. It's mm-hmm. not the same as taking it out on that world cruise we all want to go That's on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then the down payment assistance programs are all second mortgage, typically like a, a 0% interest second mortgage that you have for a certain period of time and then it's forgiven after a certain period. If you sell or refinance, within that recapture zone, then you owe a percentage of that money back. So it just depends on what you're selling the home for, how much it's appreciated, what gains are included, um, and how long you've had it. So we always want to make sure everyone's aware of those when we go into that. So it sounds like there's lots and lots of rules. (laughs) So for all of you who have done some sort of financing or refinancing and know that it takes quite a long time to get everything worked out, it's not because somebody's being lazy. It's because each particular thing you're trying to do has very specific rules. And you might get quite far along in the process before you realize that some rule is going to kick that option out and you need to go back and look for a different program. And that's a lot of what Stacy does. But it can be very frustrating when you're the person who's waiting for the money and waiting to see if you can buy your house and, mm-hmm. and not uh, know exactly when that's going to come through or what the interest rate may be. Exactly. So, and um, to that term, if there's a certain situation, for example, when you're buying a house and there's repairs involved and maybe the seller doesn't have the funds or is not willing to make those repairs, but the house is livable or it's just not cosmetically what you want to see and you want to redo the kitchen or add a bathroom later on, those kind of things. So it's a livable condition now. Um, We're seeing a lot more renovation loans where people purchase the home as is, it qualifies as is in good condition. Um, And then we finance the purchase along with the renovation funds to update and make the improvements that you want all within one loan. So it's a fixed 30-year mortgage 
um, with renovations and bids from the builder. The builder is approved. The project is approved. So it's all one loan that's um, taken care of as your final mortgage payment that doesn't change. So, Do they estimate the appraisal based on the, what the value of the home will be after the remodeling? They do. So they get the plans and specs and the, builds, the bids from the builder and uh, compare it to comparable sales once the subject is completed to the to those improvements. So they see what it's going to be worth based on what they're going to do to the house and use comparable sales for that on the appraisal. Um, and then look at um, what's going on in the market to make sure those, those improvements are viable and will make sense down the road. So we're seeing that especially in Charlotte with low inventory that the homes that are on the market that are desirable and move-in ready We'll have multiple offer situations and multiple bids that will drive the price up when the values may typically not be there. Um, so renovation is a good way for folks to see a house that's been on the market for a while that's not being competitively um, attacked by other other buyers that they may be able to see some potential in that they want to make it their own, do a renovation on it, and, and make it like their own. Their own. Upper. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so... Okay. Well, uh, this part of the show has been very interesting, and I would like, Stacy, can you give your contact information out to the audience, please, so in case they have questions, and also let them know what states you're able to help out in. So specifically, um, my team, which is Team Lending by Design, um, can offer loans in North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Georgia. Homeside Financial is licensed in uh, most of the states across the country. Um, our information, we're with Homeside Financial here in Charlotte. Um, my contact information is skimrey, S-K-I-M-R-E-Y, at gohomeside, with a D, dot com. And um, my number is 704-578-4321. Okay. And you will also be able to find that information on our page on Voice America as one of the guests on the show. And I should probably say my NMLS number is 76615, just for compliance purposes. Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) We love those compliance people. Okay, we're getting ready to take a break, and then we'll be back for another 10 minutes or so to wrap this up. And then we will have a subsequent show with Stacy. And the focus of that is going to be all kinds of credit issues around credit scores, pre-qualifying, things like that. So I'm sure you'll find that very helpful. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there about when to do certain things and when not to, and she really knows how that will impact any type of loans that you're trying to qualify for. So we look forward to learning more about that, and we will be back after the break. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Brokers Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704-315-5623. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You 
You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Debbie Peterson of Money Counts and Nicole Maloney of Money Counts and Stacy Kimry of Homeside. And we are talking about all the different types of, or I would say not all, many of the different types of financing that um, is available for you if you're thinking of buying a home or if you're thinking of Uh, refinancing. In this segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about if you're going to be building a home when using a construction loan or if you are uh, thinking of refinancing your current home, some of the issues for you to learn about there. So, yes, in the last segment, we talked about renovation and what that entails as far as having the builder approved and the project approved for improvements that you want to make. But we're also seeing a lot of folks who are finding their own lot and want to build from scratch. And it's a lot of the same process as far as getting the builder approved. Um, We just want to make sure that that builder, once they start building the home, has the longevity and experience to finish the home so they don't leave the project in the middle and leave the homeowner um, wondering what in the world to do next. (laughs) What happens if that does happen? I know there's a lot of competition right now for for uh, builders and subcontractors because Charlotte, which is where we are, is uh, booming at the moment. So we do build into contingency on that. So during the construction phase, the builder is reimbursed for work in place. So the builder's not given the money um, with a blank check. So they're, they're, they do the work and then in stages, and they tell us how many stages they plan to have so that we can go out and verify that the work is in place that they want to be reimbursed for. And then the homeowner and the builder sign off on that check together. So um, it's not like we're given the full boat of the of the value to the builder who can then run away with it. We're just, we've seen sometimes that potentially a builder may leave mid project because he's got too many projects going on or may delay one project over another, or there may be some, some discrepancy between what the buyer thought they were getting, what the builder thought they were providing and there could be a situation where they want to switch builders midstream. So we've seen that. We don't um, encourage that. We don't like to see that happen. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> but when it does happen, they're, they're just seek another builder that will follow the same plan or make very few variances. But we do build in um, a contingency to be prepared if that happens. Um, there's a 10% contingency built in to make sure that if the price of building goes up during that time. So it depends on you know, how long the construction will take if it's a three-month build-out versus a 12-month build-out. That can be a lot different. Do you have a limit on how long you will let the build-out go? Yeah, typically the longest we see is 9 to 12 months, and even the some of the, the larger homes, um, you know, 10,000, 15,000 square feet homes, can be done in that period of time. Um, and then we have modular homes that can be positioned within 60 days. So we see the whole gamut of it. Um, but if it goes past the normal 12-month period, um, we can have a case-by-case situation of, of, you know, seeing why that's happening and ways to make sure we stay on track. So we've got we've got people that oversee that with the disbursements and the draws to make sure that that things are moving along as they should be in a normal mm-hmm. manner. So, um, and we try to you know do everything that we can to protect the homeowner by having uh, not as only as I said the builder approved, but also the project approved to make sure that the home they're building and what it's costing them is going to be worth it in the long run. Because ultimately, that home is our collateral as well for our mortgage. So we and the homeowner both want to make sure that it's worth what it's costing to build it. So You don't want to build a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house with all the gold fixtures and right. all that sort of thing, right? Right, right. So, yeah, a 14-karat gold faucet versus a you know gold-plated faucet might not be a whole lot more valuable. It just depends. So... Um, and with that, it's a one-time close. It's um, interest only during the construction phase on the amount that's drawn. So if the first draw goes to pay off the lot, then they're paying interest only on just that, let's say, $50,000. And then the builder may grade to do the foundation, and that may be another $25,000. So the next month, they're paying interest only on 75000 So the payment increases 
the more the house is built. So at the end, once we have the certificate of occupancy issued, it rolls into the end financeable mortgage, the 30-year fixed, the 15-year fixed, whatever type of loan that they have chosen. So it's a nice option to give homeowners control over the project and the custom build that they want. Um, so it's not been around for a while based on the economy, and um, we were lucky enough to secure a construction perm option for our clients. So it's been very popular, um, and then we're, we're looking for um, jumbo market construction perm financing to come out here, hopefully in the near future. So aside from a construction loan, do you have any lending that's based on buying land? So we do not have a lot loan, but there are lot loans out there. And what we're seeing in the market, if we don't offer it, we try to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market that other lenders are offering so that we can direct clients um, into different options. So ones that I have seen out there require typically 25 to 40% down. And they want to know, is the lot in a subdivision um, or is it rural land? So it just depends on the situation. Um and then construction-wise, there's also pure construction loans that the builder may take out. So we don't offer those. Those are more of a commercial line. So we offer the residential side to the that has the homeowner's the name on the loan, right, to the buyer. Yeah. So from a place of uh, protection, you talked about trying to make sure the client is protected. So during those draws, does someone go out and inspect the property to make sure the contractor did exactly what they said they were going to do before they get their money? How does that work? They do. So typically it's our appraiser or an inspector um, that inspected the property prior to the initial loan closing. So the appraiser looks at the plans and specs. So if they had said they were going to put in built-in cabinets or they were going to put in a pool or put in whatever they were supposed to put in, if it's not there, they can't be reimbursed for it. So they have to follow the letter because the initial appraisal, remember, was done on the condition that all these things we'll that they back. said were going to be in there are in there. So if something doesn't fall within those guidelines, then we have to adjust along the way. But um, so there's an inspector that goes out and says, if you're wanting to be reimbursed for grading and foundation, that the foundation is ready for the next level of build out. So great, but good question. And that's um, about all I have for construction perm. But um, it's like I said, it was around and utilized a lot um, about 10 or 15 years ago, and then it's kind of fallen by the wayside where um, only uh, builders were able to get their construction line and sell the end product to the buyer. So this is a good option for buyers to be able to have more control over what they're building and, and do a more custom situation. Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit about refinancing, I believe. Refinance, yeah, so that we can do a rate and term refinance, which means we're either going to lower your interest rate or... Uh, shorten or lengthen your term on your loan. So if you have a 15-year that we need to lengthen out to a 30 to fit with restricted income um, into retirement, something like that, that makes the cash flow better. Um, or just a lot of people are wanting to reduce interest rates. It depends on the interest rate they currently have. And we try to do an annual mortgage analysis to see where they are um, to make sure they're still in the right program from the one they started with. Um, so if they do that, what you're talking about is they're using the same loan value but they're re just restructuring. So that is not as complicated, I don't think, as, as if you're trying to do a cash out. Well, it's 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 as complicated, but the rate's not as sensitive because it's not as risky on the side of the lender. So we get an appraisal, an updated appraisal, um, for this specifically for this refinance. And then they can either use it to pull cash out of the property, which is a little bit higher interest rate, or just to reduce their rate or change their term. So on a cash out, they may be pulling um, money out to pay off other debt, um, to invest in something, so um, to make home improvements. And we ask that and put that on the loan application, but that's about the terms of the, the cash out. So, um, and then another way to refinance, if they like the first mortgage and it's a good situation for them, then just a standalone home equity line to access the equity may be a, a better situation for them. Or we may redo the first mortgage and a home equity line at the same time, depending on what their goals are. When we talk about refinancing and people think about um, when should I refinance? Is there like a range of rates, like if it's going to save them 50 basis points or a half a percent, or should it be more like one or 2% before they even 
find out whether they should refinance? Typically, we're seeing a quarter of a percent is a good time to refinance, a quarter to a half. So it just depends on their situation and how much longer they're going to be in the home. If they're going to be in the home another year or two, it doesn't make sense. But if they're going to be in the home another five to seven years, then it absolutely would make sense. Um, because they want to recoup the cost, the closing costs, mm-hmm. which can either be paid out of pocket or it can be financed into the balance of the loan, depending on what the value is. So um, we can do that, go through that in the mortgage analysis process to see what's best for them and if it's if it's a good deal for them. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've uh, we always try to analyze that for people, but one thing I find that they don't often think about is if you had a 30-year mortgage but you've been paying on it for five years and now you get a new 30-year mortgage and you might save $100 a month on it but if you're planning to stay in that house for for the foreseeable future you've added five more years of payments Mm -hmm. so we have to account for that too. So it's always good to work with somebody who has a lot of experience in what is actually happening when you do that refinance. It may feel like it's doing a better job for you, but it may not be. And we talked a little bit earlier about maybe we should cover amortization, about how interest actually is repaid on a mortgage. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be helpful for people to understand, I believe. So typically in the closing package, you'll get a copy of an amortization schedule, um, but you can also search it online and plug in different values to see what making additional principal payments might do as far as term of your loan. So in the beginning, if you look at payment one, um, the majority of the payment is going to interest and very little towards principal. And if you look at payment 360, most of it is going towards um, principal and very little towards interest. So it's about the mid-range, you know, in a 30-year fix, it's somewhere around years 12 or 13, where you start to make a turn for more principal and less interest. So that's something good to take advantage of and look how additional principal payments can cut off some of the years on the term of a loan. Great. Okay. Well, we've covered everything we could in our time allotted today, but Stacy will be back with us again next week, and we will be covering issues related to uh, applying for a mortgage and also other types of credit score uh, issues you should be thinking about. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, we're glad to have you here, and we'll look forward to talking with everyone next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential. Be sure to join host Debbie Peterson again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of our show. Opinions expressed with those of the speaker and are not endorsed by the named broker, dealer, or its affiliates. All information has been prepared solely for informational purposes and is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. Certain statements offered are forward-looking, including but not limited to statements that are predictions of or indicate future events, trends, plans, or objectives. Undue reliance should not be placed on such statements because by their nature, they are subject to known and unknown risks and uncertainties. The information provided is not intended as tax or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek tax or legal advice from an independent professional advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities that are offered through registered representatives of Summit Brokerage Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Summit Brokerage Services, Inc. and Summit Financial Group, Inc. are separate and unrelated to any other named entity. Debbie Peterson is a registered investment advisor located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number is 704-315-5623. 